This is the 96 AD podcast, episode 8, What Makes an Emperor Bad? In this episode, I will tackle one of the most interesting topics, bad emperors. Those of you who listened to the intro episode know that I vowed never to miss a two-week period. I'll post an episode every second Sunday, at least. However, if I don't have enough time for a full episode on a given two-week period, I will simply make a shorter aside episode. This is because it takes a while to make a full episode about the narrative, and I don't want to make a low-quality one, but I still want to be putting out work every two weeks. So, today we're going to talk for a shorter period of time about a couple things to think about when it comes to talking about bad emperors. Bad emperors are probably the single thing about Roman history that reaches the widest audience in the world. Everybody loves to hear the stories of Caligula and Nero. Bad emperors can be presented as relatively simple and one-note, so it's easy to tackle it in a two-minute explanation of some wacky hijinks that Caligula got into. Nero was 16 when he was made emperor. Then he burned down Rome and he played his fiddle while it burned. I mean, that's a really simple and fun and interesting story. It's not entirely true, misses quite a bit of important information, but that's beside the point. The question of what makes an emperor bad is effectively the question I'm seeking to answer as a whole with this podcast. I decided to make this podcast to tackle the emperor Domitian in particular, but I suppose it's worth our time now to talk about what makes emperors good and bad so that when we get up to Domitian, who's only three emperors away, we can keep some of these uh, ideas in mind because it's a really important issue to tackle with Domitian whether or not he is a bad emperor because all the ancient sources say he's a bad emperor, but the archaeological evidence suggests that he's probably a good one. What should we think? So far in this podcast, we've talked about five emperors, Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero. We haven't yet gone through the reigns of Galba, Otho, and Vitellius, though I have mentioned them, and even if we had, I wouldn't want to talk about them in this context, and that'll lead into the first lesson, but for now, let's go through a little exercise. If you could recall from episode 6, when we talked about the five Julio-Claudian emperors, could you rank them solely in terms of their ability? Not on the quality of their reign, or how much you like them, simply on their ability. Here's my ranking. Augustus, Tiberius, Claudius, Nero, then Caligula. Augustus is an obvious first choice, and Nero and Caligula can really be interchangeable at the bottom of the list. It's really Tiberius and Claudius that might be difficult to rank, and it might surprise you since I pretty much spent that entire episode talking about how much I like Claudius, but Tiberius was objectively more capable than Claudius. He had decades of experience going into becoming emperor, and he had been a part of the military, and Augustus trained him personally. But... Claudius's reign was better simply because he worked harder at it. Anyways, next, let's think about how old these emperors were when they ascended to the emperorship. Augustus was 36, Tiberius was 56, Claudius was 51, Caligula was 25, and Nero was 16. There seems to be something of a correlation between the age of ascension and ability. I mean, that's kind of obvious, so we'll talk a bit more about that later. Next, let's consider the length of their reigns. Augustus, 41 years, Tiberius, 23, Claudius, 13, Caligula, 3 and a bit, and Nero, 14. There seems to be something of a connection between reign length and perceived ability of the emperors. Augustus, for example, is by far the best emperor, and he reigned by far the longest. Caligula 
is probably the worst one, and he reigned by far the shortest. And that's the first main lesson uh, when it comes to ranking emperors, and why it's difficult to include Galba, Otho, and Vitellius in the list, since they only reigned a couple months apiece. We're always going to be looking back on these emperors from far in the future, and it's simply the case that short reigning emperors did not make a large impact on us. This is why it's difficult to, for example, compare the abilities of Otho and Claudius. Otho reigned for only a couple of months, and Claudius reigned for over a dozen years. Both of them were relatively experienced going into the emperorship, and both of them worked really hard. Both of them seemed to have their heart in the right place, but Otho simply faced a larger army. When people tell you the best emperors of Rome, if they want to say maybe list their five best emperors, they may talk about Augustus, Trajan, Hadrian, Diocletian, or Constantine. Don't worry, it's not important who they are exactly what they did. What's important between the five of them is that they averaged about 25 years on the imperial throne. Compare this to the rest of the emperors of the Roman Empire, who reigned for roughly eight years on average. This is the principle that we must keep in mind the most. The longer and more well-documented a reign is, the more likely we are to rate it highly, simply because more things were accomplished. You can't say much positive things about Caligula because he didn't have a lot of time to do anything. Augustus spent well over 50 years in politics, and so he has spent all that time completely changing how Rome worked. And the fact that Rome started in civil wars and came out in peace means that you had to rate him positively, pretty much no matter what else he did, and he did a couple bad things during his reign. And I'm well aware of this problem, and I consciously let myself get put into this trap. I rated Nero's ability higher than Caligula's, when it's kind of hard to compare the two. But the simple fact is, Caligula reigned for only three and a half years, and Nero reigned for 14. And this is my prime motivation for ranking it that way. If you know nothing else about these two boys, you can at least appreciate the fact that Nero walked the tyrant tightrope better than Caligula because he reigned for a decade longer. If you recall from last episode, I discussed how the primary objective of an emperor who wants to keep themselves alive is to keep the senate and the army on their side. and to The senate can launch conspiracies in silence and the armies can overthrow the emperors instantly through force. So both of these institutions need to be placated and need to be supported. Nero was fortunate enough to have scared the Senate straight. He had killed enough of them and suppressed enough conspiracies that there was no one left to really challenge him. There. And he didn't suffer considerable military defeats enough to get the army completely off his side. It seems that he always paid them on time and that's always enough. Of course, Nero did eventually get toppled and pretty much the entire empire rose up against him, but he did keep it going for over a decade. Caligula, on the other hand, made a mockery of military matters he faked and exaggerated victories, embarrassed and enraged the soldiers. Caligula frightened the Senate and did horrible things to them, but never got around to widespread institutionalized purges that Nero had done, so it was easy for Caligula to get dispatched in less than four years. So by this analysis, Nero did at least have the ability to hold things together. Or maybe he was simply luckier. It's hard to say. Regardless, this analysis was all simply based on the fact that Nero reigned longer. I have not, however, considered the rest of the Roman Empire in this analysis. How did the average Roman feel about the emperor? Or about life in the empire as a whole? How was the economy doing? How did the citizens of Rome view their emperor? How did the enemies of Rome see him? These are tough questions that the ancient sources rarely discuss, since the drama surrounding these boys isn't greatly generated by them. It's generated by what things did they do? Nero was playing on stage. That's crazy. 
Caligula killed these people in this terrible way. That's crazy. That's all we hear about, and that's all we have to go based upon. Now let's move on to the age question. This is quite simple. Don't give young boys absolute power. I'm in my 20s, and I'd probably do a garbage job administering the largest multi-ethnic empire in history. In my defense, I may do a better job than Nero, since I care enough to do as well as I could, and I'd appoint experts to help me, but that's beside the point. The one exception that we're all aware of is Augustus. At the time of the death of Caesar, he was only 18, and he was instantly one of the two or three most powerful people in the empire, and he navigated that perfectly. When people around him every day were getting killed for being on the wrong side, he made it through unscathed to become emperor. You may also recall Scipio Africanus, who became governor of Spain at the age of 25. The difference I see between the capable Augustus and Scipio and the incapable Caligula and Nero is that Augustus and Scipio were young and talented and sought out those positions. It would have been very simple for Augustus to take the money that Caesar lent to him, retired, and lived a comfortable life. That's what his mom suggested he do, but he decided to go to Rome because he was confident enough to do that. Augustus simply started as the heir of Caesar, and Scipio simply started out as a governor. It took them decades to reach the peak of their power as the dominant Roman. So they had that time to cultivate that ability so that they were able to do it once they were at the top. They had power bases. They had the knowledge. They knew what they were doing. Caligula and Nero had no interest in governance, but they were hoisted instantly to the most powerful position. They had no experience when they got to this point, and they didn't really care enough to work hard. Augustus and Scipio were immensely talented, and their feats should not be discredited. It is remarkable what they did, but they only had to start by navigating small situations. I think if you put 18-year-old Augustus in charge of Rome, he would likely fail. Though he would have a better chance than Nero and Caligula because at least he wanted to do well. And he seemed to have been a pretty good strategist even when he was just in his teens. We've covered a couple topics of bad emperors, but let's construct a slightly stronger model. What makes a bad emperor? To start, let's sort the Julio-Claudians into a sort of binary, good and bad emperors. This isn't a great thing to do, it's taking this entire hundred year period of history and boiling it down to are they good or bad when the question is much more complicated than that. But people always throw around the term, this was a bad emperor, this was a good emperor, but if we want to use that, we have to figure out really what it means. And if we want to talk about Domitian, who is really difficult to appreciate one way or the other, we need to understand what it takes to be a good or bad emperor. I don't like the idea of sorting emperors into good and bad. People like ranking emperors. I like it too. It's a bit of fun, but it does kind of take away from the complexities of history and the fact that different emperors are put into different situations. It is kind of diminutive, but it's a fun exercise, and it's a kind of a fun way to talk about uh, these different interesting figures. Were they good at their job or not? It's just a bit of fun. Augustus was an obviously good emperor. Caligula and Nero are obviously bad ones. What about Tiberius, and what about Claudius? It gets quite difficult to make this call, and that's honestly why the question is so interesting, because if you put Tiberius in the good camp, you're comparing him to Augustus. If you put him in the bad camp, you're comparing him to Caligula, and neither of those seem fair. But we have to choose one or the other. Claudius, I think, is a good emperor, and Tiberius is a bad emperor. Let's not consider the ramifications of this, let's just accept this as fact for now. It's not, and it can easily be debated. But let's kind of just roll with it and see what this suggests about emperors. The primary ways in which Augustus and Claudius differ from Tiberius, Caligula, and Nero is in effort and military matters. 
Caligula and Nero suffered exclusively fake victories and defeats. Tiberius shied away from military matters during his reign altogether. Augustus had military victories throughout his whole career, and even diplomatic victories with the Parthians. It wasn't strictly military, but the army rejoiced nonetheless, and they loved him for it. Claudius would also see military victories when he added Britain to the empire, and it may be these military victories that made Claudius legitimate enough in the eyes of the average Roman to make his reign unquestioned. Augustus and Claudius were also quite vigorous. Their work was quite unending, and they were constantly putting in work to better the empire. They didn't always make the right choices, they didn't always make the empire strictly better, but their heart in terms of wanting to make the empire better was in the right place. Tiberius famously didn't care for ruling, and secluded himself in an island. And Caligula and Nero famously preferred simply for people to love them, regardless of what that did to the economy, and regardless of the fact that most senators didn't love them because they were killing them. Let's conclude and review the basic model of good versus bad emperors. This may all seem obvious, but it's good to get this out there, just so we can kind of get these ideas floating around for when we talk about more emperors. Good emperors only ascend when they're well experienced and they reign for a long time. Good emperors will engage in military matters and will work tirelessly to help the empire. This analysis is very simple, quite rudimentary, and doesn't consider a lot of factors. I'm only talking about the first five emperors, and I'm only talking about basic effects of what makes an emperor good or bad, but it's still an interesting question, and I think this will be a good base moving forward to talk about emperors Vespasian, Titus, Domitian, Trajan, Hadrian, etc., and say, are these men good or bad emperors? Because that's a fun exercise to do. And it's a simple way to understand the history, to just simply say Vespasian was a good emperor, Vitellius was a bad emperor, and Domitian was a bad emperor, for example, puts history in a bit of context. Vitellius was overthrown by the good emperor Vespasian, Vespasian died, eventually his son Domitian would take over, who would be a bad emperor, and Domitian would be killed. It makes history easy to understand, and a bit of fun. I'll see you in two weeks when we talk about the start of the year of the four emperors. And hopefully I'll even introduce Domitian then, so we can start exploring him. I think that as we go and we see emperors rise and fall, we'll add them to the tally of good or bad emperors, and we'll see where we end up. But right now, the score sits at two good and three bad emperors. We'll see how it turns out.